Christianity is a theology of the body. It's called the incarnation. And this is precisely the error that John Paul II is addressing. The error of thinking to be spiritual, I have to divorce myself from my body and go be spiritual. So body over there, spirituality over here. Christianity is the exact opposite movement. It's not us divorcing ourselves from our bodies to reach God. It's God taking on a body to reach us. Hello and welcome to a special Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarash, your host. Excited to have in the flesh uh, in Sydney, Australia, none other than the president of the Theology of Body Institute, Christopher West. Christopher, how are you? Charbel, it's really good to see you again, brother. Great, great to see you. Thanks. Praise God. Um, it's, you're here on, in Australia now. Uh, to, you're running a, currently a, another course for the, for the Institute. Yes, the, um, there's a partnership we have through the Archdiocese of Sydney to bring the courses of the Theology of the Body Institute to Australia. So we're doing some of them live and some of them online, but we're, we're really, really excited that um, we have this partnership between yeah. Sydney and, and our, our work at the Institute. Praise God. Yeah, that's right. This is in our second year in a row. I remember last year you came mm -hmm. to make this announcement. And uh, are we looking forward to seeing you then for a few more years ahead? Yes. I, I don't know that I will be here every year, but either I or one of my colleagues at the right. Institute will be coming on a regular basis, at least once a year for the next several years to, to unfold this new partnership. Praise God. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, so how, how, what, what is the latest? Maybe let's just start quickly on, on the mm -hmm. TRB Institute. Um, I remember uh, pre-COVID, uh, you came out, we had the core project and we did a bit of work together then. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and now that's folded, is that uh, right? The, that... the core project and the Theology of the Body Institute really merged, merged. their efforts. Okay. And we, we, we still have that name, the core project, to the side if we ever want to use it for a specific project. Okay. But uh, yeah, we're, we're doing, running all that we do under the banner of the Theology of the Body Institute. Right. Well, it's a match made in heaven. I, I think it's... Uh, Divine providence, the way it's all worked out. Yes, um, I agree. It's wonderful. Uh, so how, how, what's, what are you seeing now? Over the, you've been involved for many years now there, now running it. Um, how is it all going? Are, are more students discovering theology body now? Yes. Are more we, leaders out there? We have a very good problem. <laughs> we don't have enough staff to meet the demand. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and please pray for us. We are in need of funding to hire more staff to make this a reality. And... To that end, we have started a new, it's right in the very early stages, so it's, it's even premature to say we have started, but we are starting a new foundation Great. called the St. John Paul II Legacy Foundation. And the purpose of this foundation is to, to raise funds to fund ministries around the world that spread John Paul II's theology of the body. Hi. Uh, and a, a big chunk of that foundation will go to support scholarships for students taking courses at the Theology Body Institute. But we want to—we don't want to—we want to expand these funds to to find organizations around the world that are doing the work of spreading the legacy of John Paul II to fund those that's ministries exciting. as well. We'll yeah, so that's very them. exciting. Yeah, please pray for that. Yeah, and those that will—if you got any links, we'll we'll put them in in Thank the you. description and promote Thanks. that. Absolutely, that's exciting. Um, was the vision? Did you, when did you? Can you just remind me that when did you start? Uh, and uh, last time we spoke, you, you gave us a bit of a bit of your testimony. But just how many years now have you been teaching theology body? Did, have you worked that yes, out? Yes, uh, 
30 years, 30 years, 30 years. <laughs> in, it was April of 1994 that a young college student named Wendy Weidman invited me to give my first ever talk on the theology of the body. <laughs> and at the end of the talk, this young college student, Wendy Weidman, was asking very intelligent questions. And I went, <laughs> she's been my wife now for 28 years. Wow. So go. my wife was the first person to ever to invite me to give a talk on the theology of the body 30 years ago. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. And look at that now. Did you yeah. have imagined like back then um, and, and fast forwarding 30 years, looking at it now, a vision of, of what it would look like and looking back 30 years, noticing, I, I'm personally am starting to notice some of the, the um, ordinations that have happened in the last 15 years or so, uh, clearly uh, very much in turn for St. John Paul II's yes. teachings. Yes. Uh, it's quite exciting. Uh, tell us a bit about, I guess, the fruits you've seen over 30 years. I'm, yes. I'm just curious because uh, something's brewing and it's still going. And yes. We're still yet to see the atomic bomb go off. The, the ticking time bomb that <laughs> yeah. George Weigel said. Yeah, Weigel, for those who don't know, described John Paul's theology of the yeah. body in his biography as a theological time bomb set to go off with dramatic consequences, perhaps sometimes in the, sometime in the 21st century. We're not there yet. No. But I, I can, Charbel, you're right. Uh, looking back at 30 years of spreading this teaching, um, I've seen some beautiful fruits, beautiful fruits. And, you know, you look back at it, and this, this was something Scott Hahn told me years ago when I was getting started. He said, he said, Christopher, just remember, you are but the ass that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And, and I've always carried that with me. And when you look at the graces that have come, you know, I mean, how, you would be a thief to think I've done this, right? Apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. Yes. But when we give our yes, uh, and I, I, I still, I struggle every day of my life to give a full-hearted yes to the Lord, but I, 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 I give a sincere yes to the Lord. I want to give my yes to the Lord. And when we give our weak little yes, he does mighty things. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the greatest fruits that I've seen are just today. A student came up to me right here teaching the course, and she first heard me at World Youth Day in 2008 here in yeah. Sydney. Yeah. And she said, we have two children, two more children than we ever would have had because of your talk at Sydney. They had been on contraception and they came to my talk at World Youth Day on Sydney and they felt the, the Lord pierce their hearts and reveal to them the splendor and beauty of the church's teaching. And they said, we're done with contraception and there are two more children that live that are alive, wow. who are destined for eternal life because of a talk I gave at, at World Youth Day in Sydney. Can I That's ask for more beautiful awesome. fruit than, than, than that? Um, That's profound. I mean, yeah, how many is. more like that? And, yeah, and I've heard Praise those. I've, That's the greatest. That's my greatest um, affirmation when people come up to me. And I've had this many times. Yes. We have X number of children because uh, we, we saw that talk you gave or we stumbled on you on YouTube or somebody gave me your DVDs. I used, when I started this, it was cassette tapes. Yeah, right? I, I remember that. I listened to your cassette tapes yeah. back in 1998 and, <laughs> and we have 10 kids now as a result or whatever. Those are beautiful, beautiful fruits, but also the fruits of, of vocation, you know, like yeah. 
I never considered being a priest. And then I heard your talk on celibacy for the kingdom. And I realized I wasn't renouncing my sexuality. I was living out the true gift of being a man as, as a bridegroom to the church. You know, just little things like that, that, that a seed goes into the heart and it yes. sprouts a vocation. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is God's hand, you know, working through my weak efforts. Uh, I'm the ass. Jesus rides into town sometimes and he does mighty things. What an honor to be that ass for the Lord. <laughs> I love it. Uh, amen. God bless you. Keep going um, and expanding. What I love is that you're raising our leaders in this field. And what is the vision the next, the next 10, 20, 30 years um, so I, I've heard this said once, and maybe it was uh, the former, uh, well, they, they, Damon Owens. Or Damon Owens was, yeah. The idea that the, the theology body teaching just permeates through Catholic teaching to the point where we're not distinguishing between, it's not this sort of unusual, this sort of subject on its own. Correct. It's just, it's our faith. Christianity is a theology of the body. It's called Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the incarnation, right? And this is precisely the error that John Paul II is addressing. Mm. The error of thinking to be spiritual, I have to divorce myself from my body and go be spiritual. So body over there, spirituality over here. Christianity is the exact opposite movement. It's not us divorcing ourselves from our bodies to reach God. It's God taking on a body to reach us. Mm. And not just taking on a body, but wedding himself yes. to the body. The second person of the Trinity is now forever incarnate. Yes. The only way we can enter into the life of God, the only way is through the body of Christ in our bodies. If you unless you eat my flesh mm -hmm. and drink my blood, you do not have the life of God in you. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's like saying, unless the bridegroom be in union with the bride, she cannot conceive. You've heard me say this a, a hundred times, I'm sure, Charbel, but the whole Bible is a story about marriage. Yes. From beginning to end, the Bible tells the story of marriage. The whole Bible in five words, God wants to marry us. But there's more. Not only does he love us, not only does he want to marry us. What did we learn in second grade on the playground? First comes love, then comes marriage, baby then comes the, the baby in the baby carriage, right? Well, what we didn't know in second grade when we learned that pithy little rhyme was that we were actually reciting some profound theology. It's called theology of the body. Our bodies tell the God's story. Our mm -hmm. bodies tell the story that God loves us, wants to marry us, and he wants the bride to conceive eternal life. And it's not just a metaphor. There was a woman who walked this planet, who gave her yes to God's marriage proposal, with such fidelity and totality that she literally conceived eternal life in her womb. This is our faith. Our faith is a theology of the body. That's well, amen. I love it. I love it. Now, um, I just, you may not remember this, but 20 years ago you were in Sydney 
21 years ago, 2003, that's 2003. right. 2003, I was a seminarian uh, among, um, there was a bunch of us seminarians there, and I remember you pulled us aside and you chatted to us. I do it. remember this. Um, you and I have talked about this. Yes, yep, that's I remember right. It. Now, as a seminarian, you, a lot of people really misinterpret sometimes. It's, uh, unfortunately, people might just say they hear theology body and they just think it's, um, it's a sex talk. Now, yeah. you've, you've joked about it in the past. But yet we have to go, how deep is that? Don't just keep yeah, it to yeah. the world. Um, you've written a book now. This is interesting, Eating the Sunrise. And I want to talk about this. But you, we're talking about the liturgy now in this book. Yes. Um, the Eucharist. <laughs> um, and what on earth does this have to do with theology of the body? You've sort of alluded to it already. And there's something there for, for those who are celibate and virgins. They're, they're doing something, um, and, and I love the idea of the image of sort of past living the eternal reality now yes yes and i love how you describe that um yes yeah, so the bible begins with the marriage of man and woman yes it ends with the marriage of christ and the church when was, Je yeah when jesus married the, to a woman oh, it was a woman but it was no it was the bride of yeah, christ right yeah the church right. uh when jesus says we're no longer given in marriage in the resurrection what he's saying is you no longer need the sign the marriage that starts the bible you no longer need to, the sign to point you to the ultimate marriage when the ultimate, ultimate marriage has come. Yes. The ultimate satisfaction of our craving for love and union is not the union of man and woman. That's just the little, little glimmer mm. that God gives us here on planet Earth to prepare our hearts for the ultimate satisfaction of our desire for love and union, which is what the Bible calls the marriage of the Lamb. Yes. Celibacy... In fact, I think it's unfortunate that we call it celibacy because celibacy is a negative word in the sense that it tells us what they're not doing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that would be like defining marriage as the non-bachelor vocation. Mm -hmm. Why would we want to put it in the negative, right? What, have, what has the celibate person embraced? Yes. The celibate person has embraced the marriage of the lamb now. Right? So the celibate man marries the church. The celibate woman marries Christ. And they become a living... Christ distinguished between the wise virgins and the unwise virgins, right? Yes. And what's the difference? You remember the parable of the, the, the virgins, right? The, the ten virgins? The yes. Yeah, what's the difference? One, one had the lamps on. Yes. And the, ones didn't. the wise virgins have oil for their lamps. Yes. Their lamps are on fire yes right that's a that's a symbol of of passion for god we can even say and the church uses this language eros for god right uh, the unwise virgins they think celibacy just means repress all that erotic stuff it's all bad it's all evil and live a spiritual life this is not our faith this is not our faith the wise virgins are those whose lamps are lit on fire they have learned that 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 erotic energy and it's you know when even when we hear that word we're like well that's all pornographic whoa 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 this is what i learned from john paul ii do not confuse the greek word eros with the greek word porneia okay porneia is the twisting the distortion of the beautiful reality that god created called eros and god gave us gave us eros to be like the fuel of a rocket that has the power to launch us to the stars. Uh, 
to quote, as I often do, uh, the prophet Buzz Lightyear, to infinity <laughs> and, beyond. and beyond, right? <laughs> Those who are celibate for the kingdom, it's celibacy for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. They have their rocket aim engines aimed at the stars. But you see, here's the deal. The wise virgins have their rocket engines aimed yeah. at the stars. The unwise virgins, like the rest of us, we have our rocket engines inverted. This is the, this is the result of original sin. Yeah. If there's an enemy who wants to keep us from the marriage of the Lamb, then what's he going to attack? He's going to attack the rocket engines. He's going to try to invert those rocket engines so we can't launch to the marriage of the Lamb. Original sin is the inversion of those rocket engines. That's why we go out into the world looking for love, looking for happiness, looking for joy. And so often it, it backfires on us. The good news I learned from John Paul II that changed my life 30-whatever years ago, and I knew then I would spend the rest of my life studying this and sharing it with others, was that Christ came into the world not to condemn those with inverted rocket engines. He came into the world to redirect our rocket engines to the stars. And so I'm going to address you right now and say, where have you crashed and burned? Where have you, in your attempts to find that joy that we're all made for, where have you found pain instead? Christ has come into the world not to condemn you for your search for happiness in the wrong places, but to redirect those rocket engines towards the stars. This is, this is, this is the call of conversion. This is what Jesus did for the woman at the well. You know, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I know. In fact, I know you've been married five times, and the guy you're with now, number six, you're not married to at all. Why does Jesus point out that detail in the midst of all this talk about thirst and the water in the well? Because he's pointing out to her all the places she has taken her deeper thirst. Right? Remember she says, the well is deep. Mm. Yeah, it is. That thirst, that thirst is deep. But we've taken our thirst to, to, to broken cisterns, as the scripture says, right? Wells that have no water in them, right? She took her, she took her eros to six different lovers, and she's still thirsty. What's the imperfect biblical number, Charbel? Six. six. Yeah. What's the perfect biblical number? Seven. Mm. Who's that woman's seventh lover? He's right there at the wall. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, right? beautiful. What's happening here? Jesus is not condemning her for her thirst, but listen to Jesus' own words. He says, if you knew the gift that I wanted to give you, you would ask me for a drink, mm. and I would give you a water that if you drink it, you will never thirst again. It will well up in you to infinity and beyond. Right? So evangelization is not condemning people for taking their thirst to the wrong place. Evangelization is one thirsty person telling another thirsty person where to find living water. Mm. And the very first thing Jesus says to the woman is, give me a drink. Because long before we're, we're thirsting for God, he's thirsting for us. Wow. Perfect. Beautiful. Powerful. Next time you read that passage, make sure you're ready. <laughs> Love it.
this book, why did you write this book uh, and the timing? Uh, um, it's very interesting because uh, it, I know in America, is, is in the church in America, there's, there's a focus on the Eucharist. Yes. Um, and this, there's a big conference this year, actually. Yes. Uh, was that a motivation? Yes, uh, it was. Uh, it was the call for Eucharistic revival was yeah. a motivation. Uh, but honest, honest part of the story, it was COVID lockdown. Yep. And all of my courses and speaking events were canceled. And I had just time on my hands. And I thought, I've had this book bubbling up in me for a while, but I haven't had time to write it. And the, the real inspiration was um, an article I read seven, eight years ago by an Eastern Orthodox theologian named Timothy Petitsis. Okay. And he has since written a 700-page book called The Ethics of Beauty. And the article I read seven or eight years ago was an excerpt from this, this larger work that he was working on. And it was one of the most exciting articles, I've, and probably the most exciting article I've ever read about God's plan for Eros, as we're talking about. And, and there's a few of his beautiful turns of phrases that I use in the book. One is, the way we overcome bad Eros is with good Eros and plenty of it. And he talks about how in, the, in Western theology, we're, we're often very intellectual. Mm. And that's a gift of the Western church. Think of Thomas Aquinas. I mean, right. think of JP two. think of St. Augustine. Uh, the, the intellectual tradition in the West is a tremendous gift. But if our theology is just stuck in the head, there's a real danger. Um, if you just go through the academic system in, in the typical Western approach, the, the tragedy is you could get a PhD in theology and get flying colors on all of your exams and never grow in holiness. Yeah because you just kept it up here in the head. The Eastern church and the theological tradition of the East is much more focused on the heart and the mystical experience of encounter with God. Not that we don't also have that in the West. Of course we do. And it's not that the East doesn't also have a rich intellectual tradition. Of course they do. But we have these two emphases. Mm -hmm. And the way this Timothy Petitsis puts it, as an Eastern Orthodox theologian, he says the emphasis in the West has been on a truth-first approach. This is the truth, and we need to follow it. He says the emphasis in the East has been on a beauty-first approach. Both are part of eros, right? Eros, E-R-O-S, that Greek word, is, is, is an longing of the human heart for the true, the good, and the beautiful, right? But he says, we will do better if we go the beautiful, the good, and the true. Okay, interesting. And as for example, he talks about a, a beauty-first approach to chastity. And he says, if we just do a truth-first, that's wrong. Well, that may well be true that it's wrong. Mm. But if all we say is that's wrong, the chances are people are not going to jump up and down and say, oh, yeah, you're right. That is wrong. <laughs> but if we can unfold the beauty 
of God's plan for human sexuality, if we can show them what John Paul II called the splendor of the truth, the heart is drawn, right? Not because somebody said you shouldn't do that, but because your heart is made for beauty, right? And this is why I call the book Eating the Sunrise. Re read the top of the back cover there. Yes, I've said, what kind of creatures are we that we experience hunger, not just for physical sustenance, but for beauty? Putting words to this profound cry of his heart, a student of mine once marveled, I don't only want to behold the beauty of a sunrise, I want to eat it. <laughs> this is one of your students. It's one of my students who wow. said to me, this was years ago, Evan Lemoyne is his name, uh, and he's gone on to have a, a beautiful ministry of his own spreading Fantastic. theology of the body. But he said to me, I'll never forget it, 10, 15 years ago, he said, we're talking about this, this hunger for beauty. He said, Christopher, I, I don't just want to behold the sunrise. I want to take it in. I want to eat it. And I said, yes, that's exactly what we feel. We want to be one with beauty. Yes. And when we take a beauty first approach to the Christian life, it, it changes the paradigm for us in as much as I feel my heart is drawn to want to, 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 to honor the beauty that I see. Uh, and, and that's the approach of this book, to get us in touch with our hunger and to demonstrate that when we go to the liturgy, eating the sunrise is exactly the right image for us. Because as the scripture says, Psalm 19, the sun comes forth like a bridegroom from his tent, and nothing is concealed from its burning heat. Wow. Why does the church traditionally pray her liturgy facing the rising sun? That's right. Ad orientum, right? Mm -hmm. Which means facing the land of the east, facing yeah. the land of the rising sun. The whole purpose of liturgy is to orient our hunger our eros towards the bridegroom, towards the true bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Yes. The sun comes forth like a bridegroom. See, it's written into all of creation. What are these trees doing? Every blade of grass out in this field, where are they growing? What direction are they growing? They go upwards. Towards the sun. Yes. If we listen to the message of creation, everything is oriented towards the sun. Right? Um, let me... What do I say down here? I, I need my glasses. I say, what brilliant light do redbud trees, your favorite dessert, the Mona Lisa, dewdrops and flowers, the musical, the sound of music, beeswax, and passionate kissing, what light do these shine on the liturgy? Christopher West weaves all these and many other seemingly disparate themes together seamlessly in this eye-opening and jaw-dropping mystical and liturgical tour de force. Uh, whoever wrote this, I'm not exactly sure, but prepare to be dazzled as a corner of the veil is lifted on the mystery that unites all things in heaven and on earth. You will never see yourself, the incarnation, the mass, erotic love, or sunbathing lizards the same way again. What? what? Sunbathing lizards? Yeah. What does that have to do with the liturgy? Well, why is that lizard out in the sun, bathing in the sun? Receiving all that, the warmth of vitamin D. That, Boom. That, yeah. Life cannot exist without the sun. Mm. What happens in the liturgy? 
The whole purpose of the liturgy is to orient human longing towards the coming of the bridegroom. The, the Eucharist, as John Paul II says, is the sacrament of the bridegroom and the bride. But here's the problem. In the modern world, we have become tragically disoriented. We are aiming our hunger at all these other things that cannot satisfy. Again, the woman at the well, she took her hunger to all these false loves that couldn't really satisfy the hunger or the thirst. What does Jesus do in, in his conversation with the woman at the well? He reorients her desire towards true worship. As I say in the book, we all worship something. We worship whatever we think is going to satisfy our hunger. Right? True worship. And remember that story at, at the woman at the well. It's like, well, you worship on, you know, you worship in Jerusalem, and we Samaritans say you're supposed to worship here. And Jesus says, the Father desires those who worship in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? It means to recognize that man does not live by bread alone. And to take our hunger, our deepest hunger, our deepest thirst, to that which alone can satisfy. And isn't it fascinating that that which satisfies, that which alone can satisfy, which is God, in order to meet us where we are as human beings who don't live on bread alone, but what does he become so we can live on him? That's bread. Bread of life. He becomes the bread of life. If what we profess about the Eucharist is real, then the satisfaction of the deepest cry of the human heart can only be found in the Eucharist. I quote St. John Chrysostom in here, who's a, a father of the yes. Eastern Church. Yes. And this, to this day in the Eastern liturgies, the Eastern liturgy uses this quote in the liturgy. And remember, the Catholic Church is, in its fullness, is both East and West. Yes. This is part of Catholic liturgy. The prayer after communion in the Eastern liturgy, written by St. John, Chrys John Chrysostom centuries ago, is a, pray a prayer of praise and thanksgiving that the Eucharist satisfies our eros. <laughs> they say the word eros. They say yeah. the word eros. That's... that's St. John Chrysostom, that's the official language of the church in the East. The prayer of thanksgiving after, after communion is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving that the Eucharist satisfies our eros. Beautiful. Woohoohoo! This is our faith. Point. It's profound. I mean, Jesus, you know, we talk about when you do study the Bible and the life and, and our purpose, where we've come from, and, and this is what I love, theology, right? It's looking at origin of man and eschatology. It's looking at the whole, where we've come from, why we're here, where we're going. Yes. My goodness, the Eucharist, the mystery of this for, for God to become not just one of us, but to become our food. Yes. You don't get more humble than no, that. No, no, uh, no. And I just can't help think this sunrise, you, the imagery I'm having now when you say sunrise is the, the disc, the sun is a, is a round circle, what it seems you see, a round circle rising. And at the elevation, I guess, at mass, consecration, Amen. The, that disc is rising. Amen. Amen. That's exactly why he elevates the host. Facing east. <laughs> Facing the east. As exactly. The exactly. 
apparently the churches were designed when they were facing east. I don't know the name. You know the name of the the the, the window. The, the window light. where the light would shine. Yes, for, yes, yes. And the timing sometimes yep. was deliberate where for the sunrise. Mass yep. would be when mass would be said, and to, for, so the sun hits right on the altar. This just what's happening. Do you know what the altar is? So. Church. When we understand our faith in these spousal or nuptial terms, this begins to make sense. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that frame, it's like, what did he just say? Mm. The church has always understood the altar. And you see it in our architecture. Think of the big baldacchino in St. Peter's Square over the, the altar, which, by yes. the way, is going through a major restoration now. Yeah, wow. Um, the big baldacchino, what is that? Where's that symbol there? Do you know what that comes from? Isn't there a canopy over the altar, like the, the, the but, world? But the, you know. Yes, it has that meaning, yeah. but it also comes from the canopy in the Jewish culture that would traditionally be over the marriage bed. Okay. Because what is the altar? The altar is analogously the marriage bed where Christ the bridegroom says to his bride, this is my body given up for you. You've probably heard me tell this story before, Charbel, because you've been following my work a long time, but I I can't come up with a better story to make this point. Um, I never met my father-in-law. He died when my wife was a girl. But I admire him so greatly because of this story. He married my mother-in-law in in the mid-60s. Thanks be to God, or I wouldn't have my wife and my kids. Um, They celebrated their marriage on a Saturday afternoon. They came together in their marriage bed for the first time on their wedding night. Mm -hmm. The next morning, they come to Mass for the first time as husband and wife. Coming back from receiving the Lord in the Eucharist, my father-in-law was in tears, and his new bride said, Honey, what is it? And through his tears, he said, for the first time in my life, I understand the meaning of those words. This is my body given up for you. Make no mistake, when all the smoke is cleared, when all that sin and the pornographic distortions of this world has, have twisted up, is untwisted, what do we see? We see that God created us male and female and called the two to become one flesh, just as St. Paul tells us, Mm -hmm. to reveal the mega mystery of Christ's love for the church. In other words, the holy communion of man and woman in one flesh on the marriage bed is a sign, a sacrament of the holy communion between Christ and the church consummated on the marriage bed of the altar. That's profound. <laughs> this is our faith. This is what John Paul means, John Paul II means when he says, the Eucharist is the sacrament of the bridegroom and of the bride. And when we understand this, as I explain in great detail in the book, we understand, for example, why only a man can be a priest. Why? Is it the son of Christi, is Christ on the cross? Christ the, the bridegroom. For we touch on that's beautiful the imagery here. Yeah, because the church is you've got the sanctuary, you've got the altar, you've got you've got the um, the entrance, and then then you've got the consummation. Happening. Yes, yes. All of this. So we break down because you touch it in the book and um, the idea of even Christ on the cross, um, when even the 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 blood and water that flows out of his side is giving himself. Yes, and the birth of the church, 
but in the mass, if we pick up from the second elevation, yes, so there's yes. the priest is he breaks he breaks a bit of the host and he yes. pops it in into the chalice. The, chalice. So the first part is okay. We have the crucified Lord, who's there at the first consecration. He's given up his his body for us. By the time the second elevation happens, he's already he's he puts the body back. So there's this separation, the two right, consecration, right. where you separate flesh and blood. Yes, there's death. Yes, when you reunite flesh and blood, there's life. Beautiful the resurrection now. So now we have the resurrected Lord. But then what happens is when He comes down to feed us. So Christ is coming down from Calvary, meets us in the sanctuary. The bride is coming to yes. meet the bridegroom. Yes. Yep. Heaven meets earth. Heaven meets earth. So the marriage is about to take place, and yes. then the consummation of the marriage is the reception of communion. Taking Christ into our bodies. You don't get more intimate than that. No. <laughs> what, what, and I, I, I love it. I explain this in the book where I say, why is the mouth such an intimate part of spousal love? You know, what, what, are, what are husband and wife saying with these deep, passionate kisses of their mouths? If not, at some level, I want to eat you. Yeah. I want to take you in. I want to taste you. I want to, I want to, and don't even say, I want to gobble you up. Right? We do that with babies as well. We do yeah, that, right? With the baby. And how does, how does an infant come to know the world? Everything goes in the mouth. Mm. Right? Do you know what the word adoration means? Adoring. So, uh, uh, but pick what? it apart. Latin. Ad aura. At the mouth. All right, yeah. When we come to the Eucharist in adoration, what are we? I'm not making this up. We are mouth to mouth with God. What are we eating? We're eating the word. Where does the word come from? The mouth of God. Yes. Right? Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow. Well, guess what? That word coming from the mouth of God is the Eucharist. And when you open wide your mouth to receive Christ in the Eucharist, you are mouth to mouth yes. with God. <laughs> what is the cry of the bride in the Song of Songs? The very first line of the Song of Songs. Do you know what it is? Uh, remind me. Kiss me Kiss with me. the kisses yes. of your mouth. Wow. Saint after saint after saint. And I reference them in the book. Say that that cry of the bride in the Song of Songs for the bridegroom kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, is fulfilled in the Eucharist. <laughs> this is our faith. And this is why the enemy attacks us right here. Because if he can get his hands on the realm of the erotic and <laughs> twist it up into something pornographic, mm -hmm. then it becomes a block to entering into these mysteries. And we think it's all the devils. No, 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 no. The devil does not have his own clay. No. All the devil can do is get his hands on God's clay. And God looked at everything he made, and they were naked and felt no shame. And he said, behold, it is very good. The enemy gets his hands on that beautiful, good clay, that naked clay. And he twists it into something perverse and pornographic. And the very reason he does this is to blind us to the theology of our bodies so that we think 
giving our lives to God means rejecting our bodies to live a spiritual life. If we're trying to live a spiritual life divorced from our bodies, we can make no sense of a God who has wed himself to the body. This is our faith, not escaping the physical world to reach God, but staying right here and letting the God who is pure spirit enter this physical world to reach us. This is the Eucharist. This is the Eucharist. This is our faith. Praise be to God. Awesome. <laughs> now, we, we can go forever on this, but yeah. we're running out of time. But uh, this book now now available, you, you go into this. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's actually quite a comfortable read. It's very easy to get through. The way you've broken it up, um, the different areas, I love it. Uh, and, and your appreciation for liturgy. Next time you go to Mass, hopefully people are reawakened to see yes. what's going on. That's um, the goal. Thank you for writing this. You're welcome. It's, we're excited. It's available on your website, so the tabinstitute.shop. Also, those around uh, this part of the world, go to perusiamedia.com. We'll have the links below and we'll make it available on our Great. website as well. Um, thank you for that. I want to thank you for just a shout out. You've got God is Beauty, a retreat on Gospel and Art. We're making it available on our website. Let me say a word about that. Yes, please. The first third of this book is a retreat that John Paul II himself gave before he became Pope in the 1960s to artists. That's the first third of it. The second third is a commentary from me on that retreat. And then the final third are some reflections from some other artists and theologians on the retreat. And if you want to come to understand that beauty first approach, Mm -hmm. God is beauty, right? God is beauty. JP2, I was was saying earlier that the West is has the gift of of the intellect and the East more has the gift of the heart. The two come together in John Paul II. He was deeply influenced by the West and the East. And he he says to the church, we have to learn how to breathe with both lungs, right? We in the West, we really need that insight of the Eastern church. And the Eastern church also needs the intellectual treasure of the West. When those two come together, boom, man, that's, Really, yeah. what that's all about? Yeah, it's, it's it's a passion to see that myself. I mean, being grown up uh, in the Maronite right, and then learning about you know the mysteries. I mean, the word sacrament is a mysterion. It's the mystery. Yes, it's the mystery. The idea of it is just beautiful. The veiling of the the mystery, you know, and then the unveiling of the mystery. So it's just beautiful. Um, I just want uh, we've got good news about sex as well. Good news about sex and marriage. And the Q and A book. That's a great one. Um, available. We've sold out. This is why I haven't got physical copies here, but it is a good problem to have, but they will be available now. We'll put the links in. And finally, I just want a a little shout out here. We've got um, Nicholas De La Torre. Uh, He's put one on the Eucharist and you've done the forward for this. Oh, yes, yes. Nick's a good good friend. He's a good man. So he's doing great work. There's a nice little pocket size uh, book on the Eucharist, uh, The Ultimate uh, Love Story Unveiled. So beautiful. Yeah, he did a great job with that book. So so thank you for everything you're doing. If I can ask you for final words here. Yeah. I, I think absolutely people need to, if, if they have a desire to learn more, not just get these books, get on your website. You have a lot of free content. Yes, uh, uh, we YouTube, thank you, you for asking. All that. Uh, yeah, I can point you in, in some good directions. Our YouTube channel is very active. We have yeah. hundreds of videos on there. You can just go exploring. My wife and I do a podcast together called the Ask Christopher West Show. It's hosted by Wendy West. Excellent. And we've done like 200 75 episodes or something uh, fun and we usually get to about three questions an episode so do the math on that hundreds of questions we've wow. answered there and and i talk to people it's fun who have just binged on on those <laughs> episodes uh so that's a place to go 
That's is that a website or, or, or the podcast? Anywhere you listen to podcasts, okay, you can find it. it. Just yep. search "Ask Christopher West." It'll come nice. up. And we also, the Theology Body Institute, what we our kind of primary offering is our certification program. Excellent. And a master's degree that we cooperate with Pontifex University on. So we teach these intensive courses, and that's why I'm in Sydney. We teach them in a five-day format, which I'm doing here. We also offer them online. Uh, so go to uh, just theologythebody.com. We'll take you to our main website. Look at our courses. You can also tobforfree.com. Okay. Tobforfree.com. We'll send you three free sessions to our introductory course if people want right. to dip into that. And the goal there, if people are qualified, and as they do this, they can be out there presenting. Our goal in certifying people. others in this vision and teaching is to raise up an army around yeah. the world of yeah. people who have been empowered to then share this, Beautiful. right? What is evangelization? One thirsty person mm. so yeah. showing another thirsty person where to find living water. That's that how it works. Said, praise God. I want to thank you. Uh, just I have to highlight, we've, we've also got a little introduction to Theology Body on our, pod, on our academy. The Perusia Academy yes. has been growing and uh, we, we just recently announced that the Campion College is accepting any student has done three of our courses as a pathway into Campion. Excellent. Uh, and we're just working things out for postgrads for teachers um, to do RE. It's a bit of a, a taste of uh, all things in the theology world. So it's a bit of a taste. So there's, we've got Introduction to Theology Body by Yourself. And there's been, you know, there's been a few students that have done that. Um, and so thank you very much. Kick starting the journey. We've got a deep dive with Katrina Zeno in mm -hmm. there, so people can check that out. She, she, she yeah, Katrina Zeno animal. gives a beautiful feminine perspective yes, on all this. Absolutely. Um, we've just filmed Monica Ashow, mm -hmm. uh, and she runs a Tobit, um, yep. and she talks so highly of you and your work. And but but she compliments she with the young, so bringing in theology buddy for for all ages, so from kindergarten yes. right up through. She has a beautiful curriculum. Brilliant. Where you, this is not just for married people. Yes. This is an education in what it means to be human. Yes. And it ha this is language right out of the documents of the church. That education in what it means to be human as male or female has to begin from the moment of conception and carry on throughout our lives where we learn more and more the mega mystery of being male and female. Amen. And she, yeah, Monica's program is very yes, good. That's coming out very soon. She was, she was passing through Australia just recently, late November. So it was beautiful to see her. Uh, we've got all of that curriculum there. And then people just want to learn about the sacraments or, or theology or, or scripture, and that's all there too. So we wanted to give people a taste of different aspects of the faith. But then if you feel drawn to a particular area, so theology body, for example, then we've got the Theology Body Institute. Go dive in there. So that's the goal. Uh, if you want to do a bit more apologetics, well, Catholic Answers have their School of Apologetics. If you want to go into Scripture, St. Paul Center for Biblical Studies, St. Augustine doing their thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the idea is, People get a taste of what's out there, um, and then hopefully they'll get a certificate through Parisia as a leader of mission. Beautiful. We need to raise more leaders out there. But, but then hopefully if they want to be a specialist in an area, something's drawing them to a particular genre or whatever, then hopefully they'll do that and follow their calling. So please pray for the academy. Charbel, it's growing. You have been a pioneer in lay evangelization here in Australia. And I love just your attitude of bringing all these there's so many good things going on in oh, the church, a wealth of them. and you're bringing them all together in a in a central place, which is such a gift. So, yes. thank you, thank you for what Praise you're doing. Thank you. It's helped me tremendously in my life. I can't believe it's been uh, two, what 24 years now, 25 years coming back to Christ in a big way, and wow. discovering all of you guys 
I think it's just a matter of we don't want to keep this to ourselves. Yes. We want to give that out yes. and share that. And, uh, um, and that's what we're called to. So hopefully everyone has that. You be moved and let's find some thirsty people out there. Amen. Lead them to the world. <laughs> Praise. Thank you so much. You're welcome, God bless bro. you. We're praying for you. Pray for us. Thank you, brother. And uh, hope to see you again soon. Thanks. I look forward to it. Amen. Well, thank you. That's another uh, Perusia podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Please grab that book, Eating in the Sunrise, brand new. It's out now. Go to perusiamedia.com. Subscribe to this channel. Um, please uh, click the bell. Spread it uh, among your family and friends. We want to get as many people uh, understanding all of this content, which is completely free. And possible. support the work of this man and his mission. Again, he's been a pioneer in Australia in bringing the good news. Please, please support what he's doing. Pray for him and financial support if you can. Thank you. Yeah, if you can, yeah, check it out, uh, our website, and I might even put the link. Uh, you can donate to support this ministry too. So whatever you can do, pray for us. And if you can financially help, that'll be appreciated. That's another one. God bless you all. Until next time, take care.